Um, so are we done with the the pet talk? Or are we got to get some more out? Yeah, we're done. Yeah, I had a goldfish uh, once. <laughs> I had a goldfish <laughs> once. Um, all right. Give me a second. We'll be going in. Great. Fine. I'm good now. <laughs> um, we are also joined by two special guests from our Fal- from the Falcoholic podcast, our frenemies, DW and Gina. How are you guys doing? Uh, we're doing great. I'm doing great. I shouldn't speak for David. That's not really my place. I'm you doing great. How it's are good. you, David? <laughs> oh, I'm fantastic. Thank you for speaking for me. D- DW with his Twitter handle DW the drinker is doing great. So <laughs> you got it. So, so we have a football game on Sunday. Um, hopefully, hopefully, you know, without Hurricane Flo coming in there and destroying everything. Um, so Panthers are coming off a sixteen eight win, and the Falcons are coming off a loss to um the Eagles. There we the go. Eagles say the Jets, and I was like, no, it wasn't the Jets. Um, the Eagles are the reigning Super Bowl champions, but they didn't look so good. Um, but at least it so, wasn't the Jets. Thank you for reminding us that it could have been worse. It's true. It's true. You could have gotten blown out by the Jets, So, which did happen to another team in this past week. Um, oh, God, it sure did. Yep. So just to – before we get into the Panthers and Falcons game, uh, give us like a little mini recap of – the Falcons Eagles game. And I'm sure it's painful to recall, but um, I'll start with you, DW. Uh, is there anything in particular you want to talk about, about that game? Well, on the positives, uh, <laughs> the, the game eventually ended uh, as, as every NFL game eventually does. Um, and that's all the good I have to say about that game. Uh, it was very painful from an offensive standpoint. It was very offensive and honestly, the, the biggest thing was the injuries that came out of that game. The Falcons lost two Pro Bowl starters in uh, Deion Jones and Keanu Neal. Jones may be able to make it back sometime this season, but they are both currently on the injured reserve. And uh, it was just a debacle from a red zone standpoint, which felt like carryover from 2017. So, uh, of course, fans are ready to burn down a flowery branch uh, this week if they don't do something different and do it uh, quickly against the Panthers. It's a very optimistic take. I like it. Um, Gina, uh, anything else you'd like to share or add to that? Um, The game was bad, and I was very mad online. (laughs) That's my whole recap. That's that's it. Very much on brand for you. I like it. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Um, so obviously you guys may or may not know this, but the Panthers have their, had their fair share of injuries. Uh, Daryl Williams went on IR. They're starting right tackle. Uh, Matt Khalil, they're starting left tackle is already on IR. Um, Trey Turner, their starting right guard and pro bowler is in the concussion protocol. And Greg Olson broke his foot again. So it's, uh, not exactly all uh, sunshine and rainbows in Carolina territory either. Um, that's going to be a big factor going into this next game. Um, John or Brad, do you have anything to elaborate with on that? No, I don't have anything on the Panthers. I have questions about the Falcons, unless Brad's got some Panther stuff he wants to talk about. Not really. I'm too depressed. <laughs> about all, what about all the injuries? Yeah. So I guess we'll yeah, jump right on into it. Frustrating. So why don't we start with the Panthers offense because we just mentioned the injuries there. So it's looking like Taylor Moten is going to play probably left tackle, but maybe right tackle. And we will either see Tolu or Chris Clark or um, the newer guy. uh, What's his face? Robinson from Corey Robinson from the Lions. Yeah. Some some group of those four is going to start on Sunday, which is not good. Um, so obviously that's going to be a problem for the Panthers' rushing game and uh, the short passing game because Cam might be under fire all night. Um, so who are we looking out for when we talk about this offensive line being bad right now? I'll start with you, Gina. Who, who is going to be the beneficiary of this patchwork offensive line right now you know the one I guess (laughs) bright spot here for the Falcons is that um, they've got a lot of talent up front and so the guys that you really need to worry the most about I would say are Vic Beasley who led the league in sacks two years ago Um, Tack McKinley who's really coming along second year player and then and kind of an unsung hero there in the middle, Grady Jarrett. He's a little bit undersized for a defensive tackle, but he is extremely explosive and extremely disruptive. He sacked Tom Brady three times in the Super Bowl, which is not a thing that happens. Um, and so, you know, Jarrett's another guy that you're going to have to be concerned about. So, And they've got some other rotational players, like Brooks Reed has somehow developed a spin move, um, which is amazing to all of us who have watched Brooks Reed for the past few seasons. So... There are a few guys who can really get in there and disrupt things, um, especially with the question marks that the Panthers have along that line. Is your guys' pass rush in general as a whole? How was it last, last week? I didn't watch the game like play by play to see how it was like over the whole course of the game. Uh, I would say it was hit and miss, and yeah. uh, you know that's obviously the Philadelphia offensive line is one of the best in the league. You know, with yeah. Chase- Jason Peters and, um, you know, that whole crew, they don't really have a weak link amongst them. Um, but the guys who did stand out in that game were, you know, to Gina's point, Grady Jarrett, uh, Tack McKinley, uh, put uh, Jason Peters on skates a few times. So uh, he, he showed some definite progress from year one to year two. So uh, it was inconsistent, but they did get there uh, a few times. Perfect. Wonderful. Yeah, <laughs> it's very, very good for this offensive line. Um, so in the running game, uh, I'll, I'll ask you first, then D 
DW. Uh, how did the Falcons' defense look against the Eagles' running game? I know it wasn't great at times because I saw the stat lines, but uh, maybe you can give us a little more elaboration on that. Yeah, I, I think the running game was uh, not as bad as the stats looked because a lot of that came towards the end of the game. Uh, the big problem was the the offense wasn't staying on the field long enough, so as the game wore on, the defense was having to field more and more time. And, uh, you know, again, the Eagles dominated time of possession. So uh, a lot of those big runs started getting broken off in the second half. Um, in the first half, they were doing a really good job of, of containing the run. Uh, they were shutting it down for the most part. Uh, they were really shutting down uh, Philly's offense completely, which, you know, take that with a grain of salt. It's Nick Foles, but, um, you know, it's the same Nick Foles that won Super Bowl MVP. So I don't know what to make of that. <laughs> Um, but the, it was it was good in the first half and, and started to fall apart in the second half. It's tough to tell, like how to. I feel like it's hard to know what to take away from a defense playing against Nick Foles because Nick Foles has won the Super Bowl MVP, one of the best passer rating seasons of all time. He's also had games where he's completed like forty percent of his passes and thrown four yep. interceptions. So wow, it's, which it's, is even worse than Cam Newton. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so we're and taking I those remind, kind of shots, huh? And I remind you that he's averaging 65% completion percentage this season, therefore making him a good quarterback, Gina. Hmm. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't resist. So, but <laughs> well, I, I, I was going to say, um, so yeah, I feel like it's hard to tell how it is with Nick Foles, but the fact, like you guys, like DW said, the offense was explosive at the end of last year. So I, I'm, I don't know. Is, was your defense good last year? Like, were you expecting the defense to be sh- a strong point of the team coming into this year? Gina, yes. I'll grab that. Yeah, yep. absolutely. Um, let me tell you how much I expected it. Um, and this is a very sad story. I hope that everyone will feel very sorry for me. In one of my money leagues, uh, we draft some individual defensive players, you know, one player, not a full defense, but like one player at each position. And so my linebacker, my starting linebacker was Deion Jones, and my starting safety was Keanu Neal. And I was very confident in that tandem. And then, you know, Keanu went out in the first half um, on in week one and only got me two points <laughs> and then is out for the rest of the season. Dion had 17 points, which was more than most of my offensive players had. Like, I expected such big things from these guys after another full off season in the scheme to develop and to get more comfortable. And I think especially with Dion, we saw that progress. Um, I think that makes his injury and the fact that he'll be out at least until week 10, if he's healthy enough to come back then, um, I think that makes it even harder to take. So yeah, we expected the defense. We thought that this could be, you know, sort of a top five unit and now who knows? Okay, but so it's not like you guys played over your head against Nick Foles or anything, like or at least relative to your expectations coming in. Like, no, I mean, I thought that they played very well against him, um, and so it was pretty much what I expected on that side of the ball. They wore yeah. down as the game went on, and a lot of that was injuries. You know, a lot of guys were banged up. Tack McKinley, I think, was – Robert Alfred, I think, was cramping um, – there were, you know, just a bunch of different injuries. You know, Tack McKinley was a little shaken up at some point. So I think that they did wear down as the game went on. But, yeah, I think that they played about as well as we expected them to for most of the game. That reminds me of Al Michaels' intro. Sorry. That in, Al Michaels' intro into the game was like, there will be injuries tonight. There will be cramping tonight. So be warned. I, just, I yeah. thought that was a weird way to, like, lead into Sunday Night Football. Yeah. And to be 
to be fair for the Falcons defense, it wasn't completely unfounded expectations because everyone talks about the Philly playoff game, but the game before that, they went on the road and shut down. I mean, they, they completely shut down the Rams explosive offense. Like they, I can't remember what they held them to, but they basically, they held the Rams to their lowest point total. uh, I think of the entire year. So uh, there was a lot of reason for Falcons fans to be optimistic about this defense until the injuries. And uh, before we move on to the offense, I do want to ask real quick. So what is the contingency plan for the Falcons defense with these injuries? Well, it looks like Duke Riley is going to be starting in the middle um, in place of Deion Jones. Is that still correct, David? I know that there were some things that got shaken up today and I was very busy at work. Yeah, right now that's the current plan. And uh, Foye Olakun, who is, a, I think, our six-round pick, will be taking over at the weak side linebacker spot. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like I remember seeing Duke Riley wasn't so good in the preseason. Yeah, you definitely saw that. And so <laughs> it's going to be a real adventure. Um, and then also an adventure is going to be the, um, the safety situation because they're going to slide Ricardo Allen over to strong safety from the free safety spot where he really excels and then put DeMonte KZ in at free safety. And I think that KZ is better suited to play free safety than strong safety, but I also, you know, do not have, um, I mean, free safety and strong safety are very different positions. They're not really interchangeable. And I know it's a situation where the Falcons don't really have any other options. So they've got to do what they've got to do, but it's not a setup that I am delighted with. Interesting. For the Panthers, the those two positions actually are quite interchangeable, surprisingly, just because of their scheme. But I guess for the Falcons coming with that Dan Quinn scheme where it's more Seattle based, they they have a little mm-hmm. more responsibility on the free safety. So that yep. that does make sense. Yeah. Um <clears throat> so yeah, moving I'd say on that's to the- my bigger concern with shifting Ricardo over is that I don't know that Casey is really prepared to be the quarterback of the defense. That's something that Ricardo has really mastered. Um, And so I worry that that, and the last time Ricardo was hurt, we really felt his absence on the field. Um, And so at least he'll still be on the field, but when he's in that different spot, you know, I really don't know how it's going to impact things. Right. Right. Definitely a concern there. Um, So moving on to the Panthers defense versus the Falcons offense, the, the places where there aren't terrible injuries happening. Um, Panthers will be looking at same front seven, same same defensive secondary. Norris Searcy appears prime to come back and start as the free safety. Um, the big the big talking point here is obviously Julio Jones. I mean, he can torch this team for several hundred yards pretty easily. Um, James Bradbury will probably be manned up on him one on one. What what's going on with Julio? I mean, I know we I know he's not. I know these. Uh, this idea that he's like suddenly not playing as well because of his lack of red zone production is overblown. <laughs> but what what is going on? Why is he not scoring? Go to, go ahead, DW, with the answer. Uh, if you've got the answer, I'd love to hear it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that is <laughs> okay. that is yeah, the most confounding thing. We don't know. Um, and to be honest. Uh, it's to be fair, the red zone issues are not just with Julio, you know, he gets the the bulk of the attention because he gets so many yards and so few touchdowns, but, um, obviously going back last year and into the first game of this year, the red zone woes have 
perpetuated through everybody. So it's not just Julio. You know, he's getting targets. He's not necessarily pulling them down, or those targets are have been off the mark. Uh, so I, I don't know if it's a Julio thing as much as it is just a Falcons thing at this point. I will say I did notice that they really key on him in like key situations when literally everybody watching the game expects Julio to be the guy to go to. So maybe that has something to do with it. But this may yeah. be a game where when that happens, he still catches it because the Panthers secondary is a little bit suspect. But he does have a history of catching good touchdown passes against the Panthers. No, that's no. true. Oh, all I can see in my mind is that face plant from last year. <laughs> that made it so much worse. Like, it's one thing to drop a wide-open touchdown, but then to just kind of, like, go limp and bury your face in the grass right afterwards really adds insult to injury. It truly does. I saw a stat that he Matt Ryan's completed, like, he scored, like, one touchdown or has, like, one catch on his last 20 end-zone targets, Julio Jones does. Yes. Like, I know against the Eagles, I know, I think only one of them was, I don't even think any of them were catchable. So I was like, is Matt Ryan struggle to throw to everybody? Is he just struggle to throw to Julio in the red zone? Yeah, it's a mix. Um, and Gene, I don't, if you wanted to pitch in, uh, I, I, I don't think it's any one particular thing. Um, and there were some passes to Julio, you know, even in the playoff game last year where they were, they appeared to be on target, but they just went through his hands or, you know, the, the fourth down pass uh, last week. Uh, it, it was a good pass, but his body positioning wasn't perfect and, you mm-hmm. know, to, to keep his feet inbound. So it seems like it's just on the verge. I don't know what you think about it, Gina. Uh, yeah, I mean, I would say that it just seems like this whole offense is almost clicking, but not quite. They're just a little bit out of sync across the board. And I think that that includes Julio. Maybe that's because he didn't play in preseason. Um, I don't think it's because he held out. Like, I'm not going to get involved in that whole ridiculous drama. But I do think that not playing in preseason, not playing at game speed or close to game speed um, until week one, I think really didn't help. And so, you know, as far as last year, I think it was a, a combination of things. I think it was, you know, a culmination of Sark's inexperience and the team's, you know, adjusting to his style and all that kind of stuff. And so, but as far as now, you know, who knows? It's just, I'm so depressed about this football team, y'all. <laughs> kind of really sounds am. like a Mike, kind of sounds like a Mike Shula offense. <laughs> yeah. So does so, Sarkisian not good? He's not great. <laughs> yeah, we were kind of hoping for a step forward, and I will give him some time. I mean, Shanahan was still bad in his first game of his second season, too, and then he went on to be an offensive mastermind the rest of the year. So things could get better. You know, Sark lacks um, Shanahan's instincts, so, you know, he's never going to be that guy, but hopefully he will get better and things will even out a little bit. Good. So I do have um, I do want to touch on the rushing game just because obviously that's a very central point of the Panthers offense. Um, So last week, the Panthers or last week, the Panthers, I should say we're talking about defense. um, The Panthers held Ezekiel Elliott to 69 yards on 15 carries for 4.6 yards, kept the Cowboys down to 94 yards total. So. What is the Atlanta rushing game looking like right now? Well, what a oh what a fun situation that is because 
We don't even know if Devontae Freeman will play. Yeah, I saw that. He hasn't practiced in two straight days. Two days. Yeah, yeah, and so Dan Quinn's Dan Quinn's um, favorite thing to do is to say, you know, it's just precautionary or, you know, just some just some soreness in the foot. And the next thing you know, you know, his leg is amputated and the guy never takes the field again. Like, it's the worst case scenario. I mean, he said that that they held out Dion on Monday with foot soreness. And then, you know, he has to have surgery and goes on IR. So we don't trust this injury situation with Devontae. We don't know if he's going to play, which leaves Tevin Coleman. You know, Coleman is a multidimensional threat. Um, he's got great straight line speed. If he can get a hole, he's going to be gone. But it's much easier for him to do that when you've also got the threat of Devontae and when he can stay fresh because they're rotating carries. Uh, they just put a guy that they drafted and then cut and then brought back to the practice squad. Um, Brian, Brian Hill, Hill, they just activated him to the 53. But, you know, when I just described Brian Hill's history, what that should tell you is that he's not really all that good. Um, and then they've got a rookie, Edo Smith, who also, you know, can help. But, um Really, missing Devontae in this game would be pretty hard to take, especially after the Keanu and Dion news. So, <laughs> as you can tell, I'm super excited about this game, you guys. I love the sport. It's such a joy, such a joy <laughs> to follow. Well, love to be an Atlanta Falcons fan. Uh, we know your pain, trust me. Um, one thing I, one thing that I do want to touch on, though, as far as the rushing game goes, aside from just who's going to actually run. Is the offensive line, specifically guys like Alex Mack and Andrew Levitra. So how have they looked? Because K1 Short just had two sacks against the Cowboys, and Don Terry Poe so far looks to be as advertised as the space eater in the middle. Um, so have they been looking good? Were they blocking in the interior at least pretty well, or what's going on there? Yeah, I, I think they, as a unit, have been um, decent. Um, obviously, going up against the Eagles and, and Fletcher Cox, you know, if you're looking for uh, arguably the the most uh, disruptive defensive line in the NFL, that's got to be the Eagles, or they have to be in the conversation. Uh, so that was definitely a rough first week matchup. Um, <clears throat> I, I think they played well enough. Uh, they struggled more in the second half. And, you know, the first half they were holding up really well. So, it, again, it, it, it's a mixed bag. So take that for what you will. I, I suspect we'll see some of the same again on Sunday where they will hold up in, in some key situations but uh, break down in others. So uh, the, it's, this offensive line, honestly, is not built uh, to, to, to handle consistent pass rushes. They have to... Uh, establish the run. Uh, that's been a part of this offense since Shanahan installed it. If they can't get the run going and build the play action off of that, um, this is not an offensive line that is designed to to withstand five and seven step drops 30, 40 times a game. So, uh, you know, it's it's not to, to, you know, downplay the talent of these guys. It's just a matter of, you know, how you design this offensive line. They're, they're meant to be more athletic, to move in space, uh, you know, to get out in that wide zone blocking scheme. Uh, the downside is as as pass blockers, they tend to struggle if you ask them to do that consistently throughout the game. Fair enough. So, in other words, the rushing game is going to be the big factor as far as the offense goes for the Falcons. Um, yep. So, so I, was, um, I, 
Oh, go ahead. I have a, so do you uh, kind of going off of what Gina was saying about Tevin Coleman? Do you not? Does he not have what it takes to be like? Do you not? I'm trying to think of a way to phrase this question. Are you not thrilled with the prospects of him as like an every down rusher? Because he did pretty well last year when he when Freeman was games, didn't he? Or is he kind of a boomer bust type player where if he runs the ball twenty times, eighteen of them go for like two yards, and the rest, the other two, will go for like fifty each? I I think he's better than that. Um, I do think he could be a lead rusher, uh, but uh, honestly, in my opinion, both Coleman and Freeman do better when it's uh, you know by committee, where they're not yeah. having to carry it twenty-five times uh, or thirty times in a game. So I, I do think you know to Gina's point, uh, Coleman would carry the majority of the snaps, but they will get in guys like Brian Hill, Edo Smith. Uh, at which point there will be a downgrade um, from from performance standpoint. So I've got a lot of faith in Coleman. Uh, he's a different style of runner than Devontae, but I, I think he is more than capable. Is it kind of like a you don't really downgrade a lot by losing Freeman to Coleman, but you have a big downgrade when your backup running back is goes from Tevin Coleman to Hill or whoever else fills in for him? I think so, Gina. I don't, I don't know what you think. Well, you faded out, so I did not hear the question. Oh, it just I said the bigger issue is the downgrade at backup running back as opposed to a downgrade between Freeman and Coleman. Yeah, I would say so. Yes. Um, you know, it's just Tevin Coleman is good enough to be a starter on most teams. And so, mm-hmm. you know, he's fine as a starter. That's not the issue. The issue is that when you have two starting caliber running backs as your primary rotation, that's obviously better than you know, I mean, like, I'm not good at math, but it's better to have two good running backs than one good running back and one, like, kind of mediocre running back. Probably. Mm-hmm. That sounds logical. Sounds reasonable. Um, so before we get into the scoring predictions, I want to go around to the table here and talk about the one player that you're watching as maybe the X factor of the game. Um Brad's been quiet, so I'm going to ask him first. Uh, who's your X factor of this game? It can be a Falcon, it can be a Panther, whoever. Uh, well, I think that the X factor is sadly going to be Amini Solotolu, <laughs> whether or not he plays. Um, because if he plays, then Vic Beasley is probably going to eat Cam Newton for lunch on Sunday. Uh, if he doesn't play, uh, Vic Beasley is probably going to eat Cam Newton for lunch on Sunday. <laughs> Um, I like but, these you know, odds. <laughs> yeah, it's you know our to put it bluntly, our offensive line is screwed, and uh, you know we've got to find a combination of five people who can actually get in the way of of Falcons players, and I, I'm not sure we can do that. I want to say about Mini Tilatolu to Gina and DW if you guys didn't see, he did his best to let the Cowboys come back into the game, even when he wasn't playing on offense. He blocked <laughs> our own extra point. Oh, no. Yep. Yeah. No joke. Go back and that watch was him. The okay. On the extra I, point. I watched the game. I didn't realize that was him. That's amazing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He, yeah. He shifted his leg over. Who, who in the hell shifts their leg over between the fucking long snappers legs when they snap? Like who well, does that? Well, that's, normal Tolu, that's who. Well, it's normal for them to do that to like, make a wall or whatever, but he did it so early. Like, you're yeah, he right did it before the ball was even snapped. Is, he, kicked our, he kicked the snap away on the extra point, basically. Yeah, and see, I say this all the time, and so much that, that CSR people make fun of me for it, but 
we passed over Alshon Jeffrey to draft Amini Silatolu. Hashtag not Alshon. <laughs> we also passed over Cordy Glenn to draft Amini Silatolu. Oof. Yeah, that was a bad pick. Um, and I've been so saying John- that ever since draft day when it happened. I've said we will rue the day that we don't draft Alshon Jeffrey. And everybody said I was crazy. Oh, no, no, no. And I'm right, damn it. I'm right. <laughs> it's Brad. You're, you're, among, you're in a safe space. We, we get it. <laughs> so, John, who would be your X Factor? And not Amini Silatoli, that can't be your answer. <laughs> um, it can be his answer if he wants it to be, Brian. Don't be telling people what to do. I, was, I would have said... Uh, my my, I'm gonna go with Devin Funches because he's gonna shoulder a lot of the offensive load with Greg Olson out. Um, so and I saw there's a pretty big uptick last year for him when Olson was out compared to when Olson was in. Um, so it'll be important to be kind of, to kind of fill in his Cam's safety blanket, you know, top target without Olson. Um, option B is Vic Beasley, but Brad kind of covered that talking about Mini Silatolu, so. Gina and DW can expand expound upon that if they. Well, hey, keep... I I have an X I have a X factor. Hold on. It can't be Vic Beasley. Um, since we're laying. It's not Vic uh, Beasley. It's Christian. McCaffrey. It can't be Vic Beasley, Devin Funchess, or Amini Silatolu since we're laying down <laughs> rules about non-repeating yes. X mine factors. Is, mine is Christian McCaffrey because he is if if the offensive line is truly bad, he's going to be called upon in the short passing game whether it's out of the backfield or in short yardage routes, he's the best option they have for that. So I think that he's going to be heavily involved, not just rushing the ball, but the ball. And I think the 25 touch quote that we've been seeing could actually happen this weekend because he should be heavily involved when the pass protection is bad. And he's it's probably like, going to be bad. He's going to catch like 14 check down passes. Yeah, he's going to get 14 catches for like 19 yards. <laughs> you PPR people, keep an eye on that. Um, so, yeah, if you're in a PPR league, you better start Christian McCaffrey because you're going to yes. get a guaranteed eight points. Yep, <laughs> easily, if not more. Um, if not more. So, DW, who is your X factor of this game? Uh, Well, you know, I think, the Falcons offense was its most dangerous when they spread targets around. And last week they targeted Julio 17 times, which is the opposite of spreading it around. Um, so I think if the Falcons are going to have success offensively, uh, the X factor is going to be uh, Calvin Ridley. Uh, he was a non-factor in last week's game. Uh, he was drafted to be uh, you know, a good counterpart to Julio, another speed receiver. Uh, and I think if the Falcons are going to have success offensively, Ryan has to start finding him. Has to start uh, getting him involved in the game plan, or else we're uh, we're, we're one dimensional. To be fair, he had just as much of an impact as Julio did. So I mean, you know, Damn. at least you had that. <laughs> Ouch! Damn. Also on Calvin Ridley, I want to. How does do you guys uh, feel that DJ Moore had a three yard rush and outperformed Calvin Ridley? <laughs> it's a young season. It is a young season. <laughs> All right, Jew. Yeah, both of our rookie wide receivers had next to no impact. Okay. <laughs> I'd I'd say that my X factor is probably 
Matt Ryan. I mean, he had a very lackluster game last week. You know, I think that some of them honing in on Julio so much is Matt. You know, it didn't seem like he was getting past his first read a lot of the time. Um, I think he was hearing footsteps all day, even though his protection was really pretty okay. So, you know, I'd like to see Matt settle in. And if he does, you know, who knows? I mean, he and Julio have a history against Carolina. I don't know if you guys remember that one game where he threw for over 500 yards and Julio put up 300 exactly and just ripped that secondary up. I mean, Benny got fired for it, basically. And so, yeah, that's I think that Matt Ryan's got to settle in. And if he can't, then it's going to be another day of me tweeting in all caps very angrily. Did you know that Aaron Rodgers has been more accurate in his last 20 Hail Mary attempts than Matt Ryan has been in his last 20 red zone attempts to Julio Jones? Yes, I'm aware. I'm very aware. That's such a great set. (laughs) Is it great? I don't know if that's the the word I would use. It is the best I would say spectacular stat. You might not like what the actual, like, you might not like it as a Falcons fan, but you have to admit it's a very funny, like, shareable stat. It is. It is actually very funny. And I mean, it's ridiculous that Rodgers is so good with the Hail Marys. It's so it's ridiculous yeah, that Rodgers both of those so passes were in one, general. wonderful. <laughs> He's had like three of them, any or is it just the two? The Cobb and Rodgers. I think it's two. Okay, either way. Either way, it's more touchdown catches than Julio has in his last twenty end zone targets. So before we end the podcast, we should definitely go through our uh our game projections as far as the score goes. Um, I'll start with the Falcons side of this. So Gina, what is your score prediction for this game? I am frantically trying to remember what I said last night because I want to be (laughs) consistent. I believe I said Falcons 24 Panther 17. I think that was, I think that's what it was. I think let's, let's say that it was, Um, you, you know, if you tell me that I didn't say that, I will say that you're fake news. Fair enough. (laughs) DW, what's your score prediction? I think it was similar. I think it went with uh, 21-17. Falcons edge out the hard-fought victory. And before I let these two go, I'll put my prediction there, and I remember it by heart. It was 17-14 to 14 Falcons in a very defensive game. So, John, Brian's what's your score prediction? You're projecting the Panthers to go like 3-13 and 13 this year. Um, my score prediction... I'm, is 1916 Panthers. And John, before before I get into Brad's prediction, ever since that Chicago Bears game, I I, I have no, I'm not going to pick the Panthers ever. So I'm sure I'm sure your game picks are what's affecting the Panthers yep. on this podcast. Superstition. Yep. Brad, what's your game prediction? This game could literally be any thing. You know, we we have no idea, so I'm just going to take a shot in the complete fucking dark, and <laughs> I'm going to say that the Panthers are going to win 31-30. to 30. Oh, there you go. Wow. <laughs> be different. Dare to be different. Shootout. Shootout. I like it. I like it. I was, I was fully expecting him to say that the Panthers win 28-3, to 3, so I was impressed by his different thing. So. Yeah, See, that's a cheap gonna... joke. It's not funny anymore. It hasn't been funny since, like, March 2017. It hasn't been funny since, like, two weeks after it happened. Yeah. 
I'm on your guys' side no, on the Falcons. They, they lost. Yeah, we, I'm, we're, I'm, John and I are probably the only two Panthers fans who are on your side because we both <laughs> think it's not a funny joke anymore. <laughs> that's that's more of a just a general acceptance of humor thing than a football <laughs> thing, I think. What do you mean in like in that just it's a it, a joke can only be a joke for so long before it's like okay that's enough. Right. If you, when you tell the joke for the thousand and fiftieth time, it's probably old. Yeah, exactly. Hey, but do you guys remember that time that Stefan Diggs caught a pass, took it for a touchdown with seven seconds <laughs> yeah. left? That's, yeah. different. that's still that. funny. That's, that's different. different. That's because that's the Saints. Yes, that's still funny. Yep. <laughs> I'm not kidding. There's, my a, dog there's was... a literal bounty of jokes that we can make about the Saints. <laughs> a literal bounty. And here a we go. literal bounty. <laughs> I swear to you, my dog likes to bury himself under blankets. And we start when we started talking about the Minnesota Miracle, he poked his little head out like, I remember. And it was spectacular. He also <laughs> the Saints. Never forget. Smart pup. So any lasting thoughts here, John, Brad, any last questions you have? Uh, I think I asked the questions I want to ask. I just wanted to, I just really wanted to hear about the red zone stuff because that's I wrote my defensive preview today that one of our keys to the game was to be uh, leave Julio Jones open in the end zone so Matt Ryan can miss it. <laughs> that's actually a pretty good one. <laughs> so, uh, I just wanted to know what the laugh. real I wonder what the real problem is there. Yeah, I think we're we're good. I got my questions answered. Brad, anything left for you? Hmm. No, not really. <laughs> so I'll start with DW then. So, so tell us where you can find where we can find you on Twitter slash any kind of social media and anything you got going on right now as far as uh, the Falcoholic goes. Yep. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Falcoholic DW and of course at the uh, Falcoholic podcast, which is now part of the Vox Media Network, uh, which we're excited about. And of course, my articles at thefalcoholic.com. And uh, Gina, give us your spiel. You can find me on Twitter at Gina Thomas. That's J-E-A-N-N-A Thomas. I'm usually tweeting in all caps because I'm mad about football or politics or complaining about something else or posting pictures of my dog. Um, I also write for The Falcoholic, though I do more editing than writing these days. And um, I work at SB Nation, so I do some stuff there, too. And if you're too lazy to find them on Twitter, you'll probably find me or the Cat Scratch Reader Twitter handle bantering back and forth with them. So it's easy enough to find them there as well. Um, but DW, Gina, thank you for joining us here on the Fourth and Short podcast. As far as what we've got going on here, um, our podcast will soon be making some growth, making some moves. Uh, stay tuned for that. We'll have more on that next week. But. From all of us here at the Force and Short Podcast, thank you once again to Gina and DW for coming on and talking about the Panthers-Falcons. Hopefully we see a injury-less game because we've all seen enough of that. Um, but anyway, thank you for joining us and enjoy Sunday's game. Keeps the football, takes off to the end zone for the touchdown. He takes the handoff and he scores. Avoided the Dolphins behind the line of scrimmage and took it in for the first touchdown of the night. Newton keeps, lowers his shoulder and takes it in for the touchdown. On second and goal, shovel pass, McCaffrey, touchdown. And off dive.
it for Jonathan Stewart, and he's in for a touchdown. That's intercepted by Keeping. He has more of those than any linebacker in the league over the last five years. You know, it is good, and Carolina gets a road win in New England.